Hi, this is Pastor Matt, and I want to welcome you to our Blue Oaks Church podcast. At the end of this episode, feel free to download our Blue Oaks Church app, where you'll be able to access resources, events, and ways to get connected at Blue Oaks and in the community. The app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend, and it's the easiest way to keep up with everything going on around Blue Oaks. Most importantly, though, I just hope that you enjoy this episode and it inspires this is the last week of our series, I'm Done With That, and today is I'm Done With Being Afraid. Uh, in Deuteronomy 31, Moses is talking to the people of Israel before he dies, and he says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And Joshua kind of reiterates what Moses commanded when he becomes the leader. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. All throughout Scripture, God says to his people, do not be afraid. So let me ask you this. What are you afraid of? Are you afraid of failing at work? Are you afraid the news from your last visit to the doctor will not be good? Are you afraid you won't be accepted by your peers? Are you afraid your family is not going to make it through the school year? Are you afraid there will not be enough money this month? Are you afraid you won't have enough for retirement? Are you afraid your relationships are not going to become what you so desperately want them to become? What are you afraid of? Over and over and over again in Scripture, God commands his people, rather than living in fear, be courageous Be strong and courageous, for the Lord your God is with you. Do not be afraid. I have a question I want you to think about when it comes to being courageous. When you think of courage, where do you see courage in its greatest, uh, purest, most admirable form? Uh, Where would you say you're most likely to see courage that just delights the heart of of God when you see it? Uh, Where is that expressed? There are people who go over Niagara Falls in a barrel. Like, is that courage at its greatest? Uh, some of you remember the character by the name of Evil Knievel. Uh, he once tried to jump over Snake River Canyon on a motorcycle. He apparently broke every bone in his body. Is that courage at its greatest? Years ago in Southern California, I remember reading an account of a guy who went thousands of feet into the sky in a lawn chair to which he tied lots and lots of helium balloons. This is a true story. He went up into the sky in this lawn chair, helium balloons, and a gun to shoot some of the balloons so that he would go back down, and a six-pack of beer. That was his cargo. I think a little fear would have done him good. Like, I think Mr. Fear would have been that guy's friend. I think when we think about courage, too often we think just in terms of dramatic risks taken for risk's sake. Uh, We think of skydiving. We think of... X Games or like death-defying motorcycle stunts. And the problem is that most of us are rarely in those kinds of high-stakes, real dramatic do-or-die scenarios. I think too often in our culture, we confuse courage with recklessness or being a daredevil. That's That's not the kind of courage that God calls us to. And so in this message, I want to talk about not the courage involved in going over Niagara Falls, or doing a risky stunt. I believe courage is not something that, uh, that's only needed on rare occasions when our ship is going down or someone needs to get rescued from a burning building. I believe the courage that God most longs for us to have 
is the courage, courage exhibited in the lives of ordinary people like you and me in ways that will never make the headlines. When someone is in a situation where they tell the truth, uh, when it will get them in trouble, uh, if they were deceptive, no one would ever find out about it, but they tell the truth anyway. When there's a hard decision to be made and no one is making it and someone steps up to the plate to make that decision and claim responsibility, even though things don't turn out all that great. When someone who chooses to hold fast to an honest conviction, even though that means standing alone or even though it means they'll face criticism or misunderstanding even from people they know and love. When someone takes the initiative to have a difficult conversation with a friend or a spouse or a boss or uh, when it would be so much easier, just kind of shrink back. When someone's wrestling with a pattern of sin or addictive behavior and they take the courageous step to bring it into the light, to talk about it with a trusted friend, when it would be so much easier just to kind of keep it hidden in shame and darkness. I think it's in the unpublicized moments in the midst of routine days in the lives of ordinary people where the most important battles over courage get waged. This is about your life. It's about mine. And I want to say this. Personally, I admire this quality immensely. I can't think of an area where I would rather grow in my life. If I could get to the end of my days and have God look back on my life and say to me, you showed courage. You didn't shrink back in fear. I mean, if God will say to me one day, instead of following the path of least resistance, at least sometimes... You demonstrated enough grit to speak the truth, to do the right thing, to, to take risks, even though you might get hurt. You maintain focus. You followed me with courage. I mean, just speaking for myself right now, I can't think of many other things that I would like more than that. The Apostle Paul wrote to young Timothy one time uh, this great claim in all of Scripture. He said, for the spirit God gives us does not make us timid but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. This is very important. When you find yourself experiencing the spirit of timidity, when you find fear or anxiety just working away, like eating away at you, that's not God's spirit at work in you. You can be very confident that is not the work of the spirit of God in your mind and your heart. It's not God's desire for you. God wants you to live in a spirit of power. God gives a spirit of power. God never gives a spirit of timidity. So today, we're going to talk about the kind of courage that God delights in in the lives of ordinary people like you and me. And I want to give you one directive as we go through this message. And that is to think about where you need to face fear and take action. Think about where you need to face fear and take action. Because courage grows when we face what it is that we're afraid of and we take behavioral risks. And so I just wanna challenge you as we walk through this message to pick one area, we're gonna look at five areas today, but pick one area where you have the highest need to grow and take a risk this week. We're gonna talk about areas where God wants us to have courage and where he wants us to be done with being afraid. And the first one is relational courage. God wants us to experience relational courage. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but I believe one of the primary reasons people get stuck in superficial relationships is just a lack of courage. I think one of the main components needed to create 
deep community and intimacy is courage. This week I had a conversation with a friend. Uh, There was an incident in my life that I knew I needed to talk about. Um, I knew we were going to have this conversation and all week long I wrestled with this in my spirit because I didn't want want to tell him about this. Um, I would bring something into the light that I knew needed to come to the light but it was actually kind of embarrassing to me. Uh, It showed a kind of pettiness and weakness inside of me. It showed uh, kind of a failure in my life. There's darkness in it. Um, I didn't want to say anything about it. Um, It took about as much as I could muster just to to talk to him about it. And I knew that I had to say it. So first thing in that conversation, I just said, I have to tell you something about my life. And I told him, and I'm not going to tell you, so don't get excited about it. Uh, But I told him, and I think this is true, as best as I can discern it. Having these kinds of conversations, are they're necessary, but they're difficult. These kinds of conversations are some of the most important conversations that I've ever had in my life. I don't know if you've ever had a conversation like that with someone, but he helped me to see a level of truth about myself that just goes way to the core of who I am. God spoke to me this week through that person. And I'm so grateful that I took a chance that I said something risky. If I wouldn't have done that, if I wouldn't have had that conversation, I wouldn't be learning what it is that I'm learning right now. And that only happens when someone is willing to take a risk in a relationship. That's relational courage. And the need for courage when it comes to giving someone biblical love uh, is just so critical. Uh, Maybe you know someone who's drifting in an important area of their life. Maybe they're drifting in their marriage, or maybe they're focusing too much on themselves. Maybe they're having a problem with anger. True love is love that's courageous enough to say, I'll risk the pain of speaking truth to you more than I will uh, comfort with you. Uh, Because I want to grow. I want you to grow. I want you to flourish as a child of God. That's relational courage. Just a quick caveat on this category, though. Uh, Just don't blast people. Um, Like, some of you need to work really hard at speaking the truth, but some of you are blasters, and you actually need to hold back. Um, And if you're wondering, how would I know if I'm a blaster? If you are one, one one of your favorite phrases with other people is, do you know what your problem is? Anytime someone asks that question, they're not really looking for an answer. Uh, I never heard someone say, you know what your problem is? And then the other person says yes and have them say, oh, okay, I was just checking. Like if you you know that you're a blaster, you need to hold back. You need to ask for wisdom. Uh, You need to think about it. Uh, You need to be patient. But the kind of courage that some of you need more than anything else right now that would delight God is relational courage. And it's the kind of courage that God loves. When ordinary people take those kinds of relational risks, and that makes deep community possible, and it allows other people to grow. And some of you, you're in a relationship that's just stagnating right now. It's just withering. And the reason is because no one is willing to take that risk, that relational risk. No one's willing to have that relational courage, and you've got to do it. All right, the second category, and this takes an enormous amount of courage, and that is the courage to resist temptation. Uh, Has anyone lied recently? Okay, let me just make it a little easier for you. Has anyone ever in your entire life, you go way back to when you were like three years old, taken the tiniest 
liberty with the truth. Would you raise your hand? Yeah, if you don't have your hand in the air, you're a liar. Uh, <laughs> recently, someone asked me a question, and the answer, uh, the truth, was rather embarrassing. And I didn't want to be embarrassed, and so I just lied. And I had to go back, and I had to do some repair work. Uh, it was very painful for me. Um, but when I look back on that, and I ask myself the question, why did I lie? Like, why do I ever lie? Usually it's to avoid pain. Usually it's fear. I'm afraid what will happen if I'm completely truthful. Fear prompted me to lie. And very often, sin works that way. Uh, people are gossiping, and I join in even though I know it's wrong because I'm afraid of being left out. Or I buy possessions because I'm afraid that I might get bored if I can't spend the way that I want to spend, or I might be insecure if I don't have a lot of stuff. Or I flatter someone else because I'm afraid that they won't like me if I don't. I mean, you go through Scripture, and over and over again, you ask, what's behind sin? It's fear. Fear of being poor is what made Jacob deceive his brother. Uh, fear of being unloved is what Saul made Saul jealous of David. Fear of having to suffer is what made the disciples run away from Jesus. Fear of, what, of having to suffer is what made Peter deny Jesus three times. Fear made them betray their deepest value to their best friend in his, his, his hour of greatest need. It's just fear. You see, if you look at most sin, underneath it, underneath, underneath it very often, you'll find fear. I'm afraid that if I risk obeying God, he will not take care of me. I will not be okay. Something bad will happen that I cannot handle. And the kind of courage God just loves best is when people like you and me are willing to resist temptation and just trust him. Some of you are really struggling in your spiritual lives. Some of you are really struggling with sin. And the question for you right now is, will you have enough courage to resist temptation? You're never going to make the headlines, but God will know. All right, the third area is the courage to pursue dreams. You know, ordinary people like you and me need courage to pursue dreams. Uh, it's an interesting thing, as I thought about this one this week, uh, you don't have to teach people to dream. Like every child born into this world comes with a dream. Ask any kid, like, what do you want to do? What do you want to be? And that kid dreams about it, right? We come into this world with dreams. Uh, last week, someone called me and asked if I would officiate their wedding. In every wedding involves dreams. I've done a lot of weddings. In every one of them, every groom looks down that aisle, sees his bride, and he dreams. He dreams about how he's going to change. And every bride looks up the aisle, and she sees that groom, and she dreams of how she's going to change him. <laughs> We're all born dreamers. We just are. Having a clear dream is core to who we are. Having a clear dream is core to what it means to be a human being. I just want to name a few people, and you see if you can say one word um, as to what, like, they dream about, all right? So I'll give you a name, one word, like, what's their dream? LeBron James, one word. What do you think he dreams about? Money, basketball, right? I think it keeps him up at night, like, how to be the greatest basketball player in the world. Uh, Steven Spielberg, one word. What do you think he dreams about? Cars. Movies, right? Like he's one of the most popular directors and producers in film history. I think he dreams about telling stories that just capture people's hearts. Alicia Keys, one word. What does she dream about? 
Music, singing, yeah, she's composed songs when she was like 12 years old, uh, signed her first contract with Columbia Records at 15. Now she's a 15-time Grammy award-winning singer, songwriter, producer. Kim Kardashian, one word, what do you think she dreams about? Yeah, I couldn't think of anything either. How about you? Like, what do you dream about? All right. What passion has God placed in your heart about why you're here on this earth? This is one of the saddest things in the world to me. Sometimes I'll be talking to people and I'll realize, you know what, he doesn't have a dream. She doesn't have a dream. Somewhere along the line, they just stop dreaming. And I know it wasn't always that way because every person arrives on this planet a dreamer. But there are forces that kill dreams. And some of you have stopped dreaming. Maybe it's because you had to wait. You know, waiting can kill dreams. You know, I want it to happen now. If it doesn't happen today or tomorrow or next year, uh, dreams die while people wait. Or maybe you had a dream, but it was kind of fragile and other people killed it. You know, some people will cheer you on, but some people belittle dreams or mock them. And maybe that happened for you and your dream kind of died. Obstacles kill dreams. I want my dream to come true, and I'd like it to happen easily. When roadblocks get in the way, I'm tempted to give up, give up dreaming. Some of you stop dreaming somewhere along the line. And if you don't dream about your work or about your gifts or about your marriage, I believe God wants to say to you, will you dream again? Because I put you on this earth, whether you know it or not, for a purpose. But in this world, in this fallen world, you're going to have to fight for the dream that I created you to realize. So will you do that? Will you have the courage to pursue your dream when it takes time or even when people get in your way or don't believe in you or when boulders obstruct you? God says, will you dream again about your calling, about your purpose, about your character, about a relationship? You know, when ordinary people show extraordinary courage in pursuing these God-given dreams, that's the kind of courage God just loves. And there's a fourth kind of courage for ordinary people like you and me. The courage to make difficult decisions. The courage to make the hard call. Now, I would say parents probably need this more than anyone. Uh, I got to witness my daughter, Lily, enter this world. And when I saw it, there was this sense of wonder because she was filled with value and goodness and beauty and mystery. And I mean, I saw that the day she was born. And then the months go by, and I find she's filled with other things, too. She's filled with stubbornness and selfishness and the capacity to deceive and defy her father. Where did she get that from? She got it from the kids' ministry at this church. That's where she got it from. <laughs> I mean, if I'm going to parent my children well, that's going to take courage. Those of you who are parents, you need it. I remember visiting a family. There was a, a couple young children in this family, and they would just vent their anger to their parents. They would scream, I hate you, at the top of their lungs to their parents. They would use the walls as coloring books. I mean, the parents would just shrug their shoulders like, what can we do? Well, I'll tell you what you can do. I mean, you could sit that little bundle down and you can say, little bundle, here's some truth. Like, you need to know that you don't intimidate me in the least. There will be boundaries to your life. There will be options that will take off the table. There will be consequences for your actions. Like, you will not like some of the decisions, but that's too bad. I mean, you could save up money and tell your therapist someday. 
because I love you too much and I take parenting far too seriously to make parenting decisions based on how they will affect my popularity with the parentee. And some of you are parents. And the truth is, for whatever reason, I don't know what all the reasons are, but right now, to be the kind of parent that will delight the heart of God and shape a human life in the way that it needs to be shaped, you need to have courage to make some tough decisions, to set some boundaries, to establish consequences. Take initiative. Some of you have been holding back doing this kind of thing because you, you know, you're afraid that you're going to go through the pain of conflict or that you're going to be disliked. Well, God says, do not be afraid. Have the guts to make some tough calls because when you do, when you make those decisions in whatever sphere, something will begin to happen inside of you. I remember in the fall of 2016, I I had a conversation with Joe Hartley, our executive pastor, where I told him, I think I'd like to do a message on politics. And talking about politics in the church would be highly controversial, as many of you know. And I think Joe looked at me and he said, you think you have the guts to do that message? And I think he used a different word than guts, as I recall, but it was basically the same question. And that caught me fired up. Yeah, I said, I've, I, I think I've, I've prayed about it enough, and I think this is important. I think this is God wanting me to do this. I think our church needs to hear a message on this. And you see, when you make a hard decision, when you do that, not your spouse, not your parents, not your boss or your friends, but when you do that, something happens inside of you. I mean, you just grow stronger inside. The willingness to make hard calls wisely and with courage, I mean, that's what makes great leaders in the marketplace. That's what makes great teachers and great parents, great spouses and great students. And some of you this week need to identify, like what's the really hard decision that I've, put in, I've been putting off making? Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's as a parent. Maybe it's in a relationship. Maybe it's something in your personal life. When ordinary people make extraordinarily hard calls with wisdom and strength, I mean, that's the kind of courage God delights in. And God may be calling some of you to do that today. Some of you are aware of a decision right now that you've not been making. And you can do that. And that will make a huge difference. All right, the final kind of courage, and this may be the hardest kind, and that's the courage to endure. The courage to endure. I want to tell you about a six-year-old girl who went to school a number of decades ago now. Her name was Ruby, Ruby Bridges. She lived in New Orleans. And when she was six years old, a federal judge said that schools in that city had to be open. They had to open their doors to African-American children. And the day when little children would be separated because of the color of their skin in schools was over. And almost all the white parents decided that if they had to let little black children in, they would keep their children out. And they also said that if any black children came in, they would be in for trouble. And so the little black children generally stayed home too, except for Ruby. Every day, six-year-old Ruby Bridges would kiss her mom goodbye and she would march off to school, only she had two federal marshals walking in front of her and two federal marshals walking behind her. She needed them because she had to walk through a heckling crowd into an empty school building. Uh, She was the only one who went to school. She had to walk through a crowd of people and they shook their fist at her. Six-year-old little girl. They yelled at her and they treated her. They threatened her. They told her family that they would, you know, threaten them if she came back to 
school. And every morning, 10 before 8, Ruby Bridges walked past all of those people with her head up, with her eyes straight ahead. She walked into an empty school building to learn. And then she went home every day. And what's amazing about her is not just that she kept going back. What really was amazing about her is how she did it. The white school teacher described what she saw when Ruby walked into school. This is what she said. I mean, think about this, being a six-year-old girl. She said, I saw a woman spit at Ruby, but miss, and Ruby just smiled at her. I saw a man shake his fist at her, and Ruby smiled at him. And then she would walk up the stairs, and she would stop at the building, and she would turn around and look at the crowd, and she would smile one more time. Do you know what she told one of the marshals? She told them she prays for those people, the ones in the mob, every night before she goes to sleep. A six-year-old girl kneeling before her bedside and praying, God, would you bless all those people who are mad at me? God, would you help them? And then the next morning, she would wake up, kiss her mom and dad goodbye, and walk to school with two marshals in front of her and two marshals behind her. There's a Harvard psychiatrist named Robert Coles who wanted to know what could create this kind of courage, this kind of heart in a six-year-old girl. And so he went to New Orleans to interview her and her family, and he found that conventional psychiatric, psychological language could not explain this girl and her courage. And he wrote a fascinating book called The Moral Life of Children. And in it, what this, this non-believing Harvard psychologist said about this six-year-old girl, Ruby Bridges, uh, he's talked about what made her uh, the kind of little girl that she was. This is what he said. If I had to offer an explanation, I think it would start with the religious tradition of black people, which is of far greater significance than many white observers have tended to allow. In home after home, I've seen Christ's teachings, Christ's life, connected to the lives of black children by their parents. Such a religious tradition connects with a child's sense of what is important? As anyone knows who has been to a black church and seen the look of pain give way to the look of hope. So this Harvard psychiatrist went down to New Orleans to look at this amazing thing, and he said, I think this is Jesus. Ruby was this little six-year-old girl who didn't really go to school alone. It wasn't the marshals who gave her courage. It wasn't the authority of the federal judge who gave her strength. Not really. I mean, that's something no government, no political or human power can do for her or for you or for me. There's no human resource. There's no amount of merely human strength or courage that can transform a heart like that. It takes Jesus. And Ruby knew all about Jesus. She knew that he understands all about facing the hostility of crowds. He knew what it was like to have someone spit at him and mock him and threaten him just for doing the right thing. And he never turned back. He never stopped loving the very people who were so ugly to him, and he prayed for them. And Ruby knew all about Jesus. And somehow she knew that she was not going to school alone. And so this six-year-old girl kept walking down a very hard road because she walked with a God who knows all about walking very hard roads. And that's the courage to endure. And some of you need that courage today. Some of you need courage, not because you're choosing to do a risky thing, but because you're in a situation that you didn't choose. And you have to walk down a road that you don't want to walk down. And God is saying to you today, will you trust me? 
Will you trust me as you walk down this road that I have you on just one day at a time? Because you get the courage to endure just one day at a time. All you can do is walk down this road today. I mean, you can't solve the problems of today or tomorrow. You can't carry tomorrow's burdens. All you can do is walk down that road today. But Jesus will walk down that road with you. And so you need to ruthlessly discipline your mind to be rooted in today. You know, maybe you're deeply worried about your children and you want some guarantee about their safety or about their well-being. Well, that's not going to happen. And God is saying, will you just let them go? Will you just trust your children to me? Whatever happens, God says, will you trust them in my care? Maybe you've lost someone you love. Maybe you lost someone to death or divorce or there's some kind of breakup and you're afraid. You're afraid of never loving again because you might be alone. You're afraid of never loving again because you might get hurt. And God is saying to you, will you take the risk of staying alive and of uh, continuing to love even though you might get hurt because I'll walk with you. Maybe you've lost a job or a financial position or your health and you find yourself afraid of the future. And God is saying, will you just keep believing? Will you keep risking and dreaming and growing? Because when God walks with you, uh, life gets really different. A mom was in her bedroom while a pretty bad thunderstorm was going on, and she was concerned about her young son in the next room by herself or by himself. And then there was this tremendous flash of lightning and a crash of thunder, and so she headed to his room because she knew he would be scared. And she goes running into his room, but when she gets there, he's not scared at all. He's actually looking out the window, and he has a big smile on his face. And he said, Mom, you'll never guess what happened. I was looking out the window, and God took my picture. You see, when human beings perceive themselves to be alone in the universe, it's a very scary place to be. But the good news is, you are not alone. Let me just show you one example from Scripture as we close. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, Tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. I want to ask you to just kind of picture this scene in your mind. Uh, Peter was a fisherman who had been around boats his whole life. Uh, He was with the other disciples in a storm that was so rough that they could make no headway in the water. And Jesus comes to them sometime early in the morning, around 3 o'clock in the morning, and they hadn't made it across. Now picture in your minds the size of the waves, I mean the strength of the wind, the the dark of this night. Uh, The boat was struggling to avoid being capsized. It was being battered uh, by the waves. They were cold. They were exhausted. They were terrified. And these were the conditions under which Peter was going to get out of the boat. I mean, it's tough enough to walk on water when the water's calm. uh, But imagine trying to do it when the waves are crashing and the wind is storming and it's 3 o'clock in the morning. Well, Jesus comes to his disciples. The writer says that they were afraid. And Jesus says what God says to people over and over again in Scripture. Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. 
I will be with you, he says. I, you can trust me. You know my character. You know my competence. You can safely put yourself in my hands. Do not be afraid. And Peter said, well, what do you want me to do? Command me. Jesus said, Peter, get out of the boat. And Peter walked to the side of the boat. And you have to imagine this scene. The other disciples probably wonder how far he's going to go with this. And he puts one foot over the side of the boat and then another. And then he lets go. And he takes one step. And then he takes another. And for a moment, it's like the only two people in the whole world are Jesus and Peter. And Peter walks toward Jesus. I mean, the first time in human history, an ordinary, regular, flesh and blood human being was walking on water. And then something very important happened. The writer said, Peter stopped looking at Jesus, and he noticed the storm, and his faith was weak, and he was afraid, and he began to sink. Peter walked on water when he focused on Jesus. He sank when he focused on the storm. And when it comes to fear, a key question is, where are your eyes fixed? Is your attention focused on God and his power or on the fear? If it's the fear, it will overwhelm you every time. Question, did Peter fail? Yeah, he did. I mean, his faith wasn't strong enough. He took his eyes off of where they should have been and he began to sink. But I would say there were 11 bigger failures sitting in the boat who failed quietly I mean, their failure was private and safe, went unnoticed, and generally went uncriticized. It's always safer to stay in the boat. And I don't know what your boat is today. Maybe it's deep aloneness. Maybe it's some failure. Maybe it's great pain. Maybe it's opposition. Maybe it's an uncertain future. I don't know what your boat is. But if you get out of your boat, whatever that boat is, there is a possibility that you might sink. However, if you never get out of the boat, there is a guaranteed certainty that you will never walk on water. If you want to walk on water, you have to get out of the boat. And the writers of Scripture make this tremendous statement that God never gives a spirit of fear. He never gives a spirit of timidity. Never. He gives a spirit of power. And God delights in the courage displayed in the lives of ordinary people in unseen moments. And he promises, he promises to give adequate resources to all who follow him. But he only does it one day at a time. And God's just waiting. If you want to walk on water, you have to get out of the boat. All right, let me pray as the band comes to lead us in a closing song. God, some of us know exactly what it is that we are afraid of. Uh, you've made that very clear to us. And God, I just pray that you would fill us up with courage, with this knowledge that we can be strong and we can be courageous, for you are with us. That's the great promise. You are with us wherever we go. God, would you give us the, the courage to face those fears this week and to overcome them? And God, would you take us to places where, man, we would never imagine we could go with you. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. We hope you found something in this week's message to take away and apply to your life this week. Uh, if you live in the Bay Area, we would love to have you join us for one of our weekend services. We meet on Sunday mornings at 845, 10, and 1115. Uh, for directions or information about what we have for you or your family, your students, you can go to 
blueoaks.church or download the app today.